I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10.3, Post Media's Canadian Current Affairs podcast. On this episode, members of the auto industry spoke on Parliament Hill Tuesday about the potential devastation of a Trump tariff on Canadian-made cars. This comes amid a slowdown in negotiations on NAFTA and a push for the feds to help out industry as a trade war looms. It's Thursday, June 28th. I'm joined by Naomi Powell, who covers trade for the Financial Post. So, Naomi, what can you tell me about where things are at with NAFTA negotiations between Canada, the U.S., and Mexico? Okay, so when the NAFTA talks began back um, in August 2017, you'll remember the U.S. set a target to have a deal by the end of the year. That deadline passed, then a couple other deadlines passed, and then there was sort of this mad rush in the spring to get a deal drawn up by the end of May so that the current Republican-controlled Congress could approve it ahead of the midterm elections, which are coming up in November. Mm -hmm. But as you know, that deadline has now passed as well. Um, Since then, the tone of the talks, which, you know, had been tense but still sort of hopeful, has changed fairly dramatically. So the big game changer was the U.S. decision to put tariffs of 25% on steel, 10% on aluminum imports from um, from its NAFTA partners, Canada and Mexico, and also the EU. Um, that prompted a wave of retaliatory tariffs, including from, from us. So Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced $16.6 billion in retaliatory tariffs on U.S. steel, as well as this, you know, long laundry list of other products. And I say this was a game changer and really a remarkable moment in the history of our relationship with the U.S. because it was when we sort of stopped talking about trade negotiations and talking as if, you know, a deal would come together and started accepting that, you know, we are on the cusp of a very real and dangerous trade war with our closest ally and our biggest trading partner. It sort of changed the channel, so to speak, and it has effectively put the NAFTA talks, as far as we know, on the shelf. So... Canadians have said that they will be at every negotiating table. Christian Freeland has said she'd like a deal by the summer. But really, things have stalled over the same fundamental issues that have been there from the beginning. So the dispute resolution process, which requires conflicts to be sorted out by an independent panel, the U.S. US wants rid of that, and a sunset clause, which the U.S. wants and which would see the deal expire basically every five years. Um, unless everybody agrees to continue it. Um, Trudeau has said that that's a deal breaker for Canada. So here we are. And the rhetoric and threats from the White House about Canada have only intensified. Yeah. So given that President Trump has been so much of a hawk when it comes to trade and very seemingly very protectionist on trade, what was the feeling that Canada could get a deal through a Republican-controlled House of Representatives, Republican-controlled Congress, given that in a lot of cases that they have listened to their presidential master, so to speak. Um, so the the U.S. congressional elections were more of an incentive for the U.S. to get a deal done because the Trump administration uh, wants to have a NAFTA deal that is to its liking. And should an election um, see a change of power in the House, it, it may not necessarily get that deal passed a Democrat-controlled Congress. Mm-hmm. So that was more their incentive. Okay. Um, and I think the Canadians were probably hoping that, you know, that might be powerful enough to get the U.S. to sort of agree to a middle ground on some of these other issues. But it hasn't been. They've sort of doubled down on the sunset clause. They've doubled down on the need to get rid of the dispute resolution panel. And, you know, 
they're talking about even more tariffs now. So on the on that front, you our retaliatory tariffs come into effect Canada Day, correct? Monday. Monday. Yes, Monday, yeah. And in response to that and response to comments that Canada won't be pushed around, Donald Trump has upped the ante and has threatened even wider tariffs. He has. And uh, the big one that he has threatened is a tariff on, of 25 percent on auto imports, which would, um, you know, pick your adjective, be uh, a big blow to Canada and specifically to Ontario. Representatives of the auto industry and the auto parts industry were on Parliament Hill on Tuesday and they were warning about the devastating impacts uh, tariff on Canadian made automobiles could have. What specifically were they most concerned about? Right. So um, an auto tariff would hit about 80 billion worth of Canadian exports. To put that into context, that's more than four times as much as exports of steel and aluminum. Hmm. So it's extremely significant. 85% of the vehicles assembled in Canada, well, they go to the U.S. market, not surprisingly, given how integrated the supply chains are. So Canada, of all the players involved, would take the biggest hit from the tariffs. And if you want to get a sense of, you know, sort of what kind of hit that might look like, last week the TD Bank estimated that Canada could lose as many as 160,000 jobs, especially if the Canadian government retaliates. And the move would hurt consumers too, right? So the price of an an average sort of $30,000 vehicle would increase by six to $7,000 per car. And if we want to go to the other side of the border, I mean, it would... Mm -hmm impact the U.S. auto sector as well. We could lose or they could lose 195,000 American jobs. So when economists say that no one wins in a trade war, this is what they're talking about, that tit-for-tat trade wars are dangerous for plenty of reasons. But one of the big ones is that they tend to take on this kind of destructive momentum. We started with steel and aluminum. Canada strikes back. U.S. goes for auto. You know, Canada feels compelled to strike back. And the net result of all of that is that competition is stifled behind tariff walls. The natural flow of trade is distorted. Companies struggle to gain access to the materials they need at the cost they need. And ultimately, consumers pay more. Companies go out of business. So this is sort of where we're at now. So the testimony on Tuesday uh, in Ottawa kind of gave gave people an idea of the scope of what could happen. But what is it the industry is hoping that the feds will do next? So we're not really, the, despite all the threats and the tweets and so on, the U.S. has yet to impose a tariff on auto, right? So mm-hmm. Trump has ordered the investigation. The Commerce Secretary, Wilbur Ross, is uh, presumably seeing that through to see if he can find a reason that autos pose a national security threat to the United States and to justify a tariff. Right now, the tariffs in place are in steel and aluminum. And in fact, that uh, trade committee hearing that you're talking about was was mainly focused on the impact of the steel and aluminum tariffs on the Canadian industry. And um, what they're looking for, I suppose, is support in some way from the government. And the question now is, is how does that support play out? The federal government has sort of indicated that it will be there to try and sort of soften the blow of these tariffs on the industry. Um, but how it can do that is um, is a question. Um, do they somehow, um, you know, reimburse for the tariffs that these companies are going to have to pay to send their products into the U.S.? Would that be seen as a subsidy by the WTO? It's very complicated. So we're not really sure um, what 
what the government will do, but it has sort of indicated that it's going to do something, particularly for the workers, should they be impacted. Okay. Well, there's a lot to watch for uh, in the coming months. Uh, Naomi, thanks very much for taking the time. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks. It was a pleasure. This is Dave Breckenridge, host of 10.3, Post Media's Canadian Current Affairs podcast. The name represents Canada's 10 provinces and three territories, and each episode takes a deeper look at one of the biggest stories in the country. Our show is powered by the work of journalists and newsrooms across Canada, so be sure to support your local paper. We're available wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Stitcher, and more. So be sure to subscribe and leave a review. We'd love to hear what you think. You can get me on Twitter, Breckenridge, Y-E-G, or dbreckenridge at postmedia.com. Canada and the U.S. are major trading partners, and recent tensions between the Trump and Trudeau governments have people on both sides of the border feeling nervous. This cross-border relationship is arguably most important along the Detroit River, which serves as border between two auto hubs, the city of Detroit and Windsor, Ontario. Trevor Wilhelm is a reporter for the Windsor Star. So, Trevor, if you can just give listeners a bit of perspective about the relationship between those two cities. Sure. Uh, so uh, Detroit-Windsor, it's been a, a long-standing connection, economic, cultural. You know, uh, Windsor, so some of Windsorites are the biggest Tigers fans you'll see. Detroiters come here for the casino and wineries. Uh, but there's uh, more than anything, there's this vitally important economic bond, uh, whether, whether it's the auto plants, manufacturing, and the border itself. It's just a staggering amount of commerce comes across the border every day. So uh, that's what's making people nervous here is like what's going on with a possible trade war, how that could affect uh, Windsor, Detroit. Now, representatives from the automotive and auto parts industries were on Parliament Hill on Tuesday warning of how devastating the impact of a tariff imposed by the Trump government on Canadian made automobiles could be on the Canadian economy. And one word that was thrown around was Carmageddon. At the local level in Windsor, how big is the auto manufacturing industry? How many people are employed in that sector in Windsor? Well, it's huge. Uh, so the Ford has a, a couple of motor uh, engine plants here, and there it's about 2,300 people who work for those plants. And Chrysler has the minivan Pacifica plant here, and that's about 6,000 people and that's actually one of the biggest manufacturing uh, networks in the country. And then beyond that, you have the, the suppliers and the parts people. So there's thousands and thousands of people that uh, work here in the auto industry. So a tariff, if it's imposed by the Trump government on Canadian-made automobiles, it may not have an impact right away, but down the line, what could possibly be the end result for a place like Windsor? Well, so the, the word is that there might be 25% tariff on Canadian-made cars. The price of cars would, you know, increase dramatically uh, if people would stop buying them. And is it possible that uh, a plant, if it gets bad enough, would uh, could move production to the U.S. Uh, where, where it, you know, those tariffs won't, won't affect it so badly? So, I mean, if that happens, thousands of people will be out of work. It would, it would be, it would be devastating to a place like Windsor it would uh, you know, it would almost become a ghost town because 
not only do you have those people uh, working in the plants and the suppliers, but uh, it's generally uh, understood that every every auto worker job is uh, responsible for nine spinoff jobs in the community. So if those jobs went away, uh, it would it would be a nightmare here. And when you're talking about Windsor and Detroit, you're not just talking about automotive jobs either, right? There's also a huge number of people from our side of the border who work in the U.S. every day. Isn't that right? That's right. About uh, It's about the same amount. 6,700 people or so from Windsor work in Metro Detroit. I think a fifth of the nurses at like Henry Ford Health Center are, are Canadian. There's uh, hundreds of engineers. Uh, GM alone has three or 400 engineers that are Canadian. There's, you know, university profs, uh, all kinds of people uh, are from Canadians working in the Metro Detroit area. And when we talk about trade between the U.S. and Canada, there's another sticking point here in that our countries are looking at renegotiating our biggest trade agreement, NAFTA. And those workers that go from Windsor to Detroit, they have their visas under NAFTA, don't they? They do, yes. Uh, It's called a TN visa. Uh, So Trump uh, doesn't uh, only want to renegotiate. He kind of wants to tear up NAFTA, right, and uh, slash... uh, the number of visas, crackdown on labor mobility. So that's another concern here is that those 6,700 people could suddenly, you know, if it happens, they could, you know, go to the border tomorrow and they're not allowed to cross. So they won't, and, that, and that's, we're talking uh, annually hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars in salary that comes comes into Wind, the Windsor area from from these workers. So if, if that would be another uh, a nightmare scenario. And on the other hand of that is if people couldn't cross to Detroit, to, to work, suddenly, you know, there's a nurse shortage, there's an engineer shortage, uh, that kind of thing in, in the Detroit area. So it's, it's, the stakes are big on both sides for that. Are politicians locally trying to get movement on NAFTA negotiations or movement on the tariff issue? They are, you know, they're, I mean, they're, they're doing as much as they can uh, from a lobbying point of view and being vocal about it. But, uh, you know, the, the reality is that uh, the U.S. government doesn't seem too concerned about that. Trump's, you know, pretty strong-headed about this. So he's, as with everything else, he'll just bear down and does what he wants to do. So, uh, you know, they're doing what they can, but it's, it's only so much. With the U.S. coming up on midterm elections, is there any fear that some of these issues may get pushed to the back burner or used as campaign chips uh, talking points during the the upcoming midterm elections. I think they will be used, uh, you know, to put pressure on things or as talking points. One, I guess, one good thing is that uh, it's generally thought that nothing is going to happen on this until until after the November midterms. So, if any of this stuff does go down, it won't be until uh, 2019. Uh, so there is some breathing room until then, but uh, yeah, in the meantime, it's it's expected a lot of a lot of pressure will be put on this. Uh, you know, it's a political uh, talking point, so it'll be in the headlines for sure. All right, excellent. Well, Trevor, thanks very much for taking the time. Thank you. While there's a lot at stake for Canadians in a possible trade war with the United States, Americans aren't immune to the fallout either. Phoebe Wall-Howard is a business writer with the Detroit Free Press. So, Phoebe, what's the latest on this issue from that side of the Detroit River? Well, information broke this morning, June 27th, that 
the entire auto industry, and that is both domestic, based in Detroit, and international with offices here, are very, very concerned and have issued additional requests uh, to the Commerce Department, submitting more paperwork, pleading with the administration to reconsider additional tariffs. There is tremendous concern in new reports about uh, the potential impact on jobs, significant impact on jobs. Mm -hmm. And the concern is, and the terminology that's been used, is a revisit on the Great Recession uh, in terms of job impact that severe. What's particularly interesting is two Republicans, and that is lawmakers of the same party of the U.S. president, have actually proposed legislation asking to prohibit the president from this action without congressional support. So there is a bipartisan push urging the president of the United States to reconsider this strategy. So that would seem to underlie the idea that uh, this is a hugely important issue, not just for Canadians who would feel a huge sting uh, if the president went through with a 25% tariff on Canadian-made cars, but it would it's a it's a big deal for Americans, uh, American businesses, and American workers. Well, and on the U.S. side of the border, it's a big deal for Americans. But in addition, keep in mind the economic impact Canadians have in the United States. So the U.S. is looking at this as a potential challenge in terms of the U.S. economy. But if Canadians are impacted, we are talking about tourism and sports and retail impact. Millions and millions and millions of dollars that Canadians infuse in the U.S. economy. So this is um, a cross-border potential impact, and that's why more than 200 chambers of commerce in the United States are begging with the administration. So the people who are charged with watching money move around are very concerned. And again, it is bipartisan. And as of this morning, uh, discussion is led by the party Uh, that the U.S. president shares. This is not a a political conflict. It is a bipartisan push uh, with concern. Mm -hmm. Now, looking at the issue locally in Detroit, what does that relationship between Detroit and Windsor mean to the economy of the city of Detroit? Detroit and Windsor have a unique relationship because obviously Windsor refers to itself exclusively as South Detroit, which comes as a surprise to a lot of Americans. They had no idea. Uh, A lot of Windsor residents view themselves as suburban Detroiters. They come across, we've got college kids who come across, uh, but what's perhaps one of the most important issues is incredibly the U.S. healthcare system in Detroit is wildly dependent on Canadian nurses. So thousands of nurses provide care to Americans crossing the border. You have people coming to college, going to work, working as engineers uh, for the Detroit Three. You have people crossing the U.S.-Canadian border from Windsor uh, going to work every day. And that is what we call the long tail of the auto industry and other industries as well. It's a very tight-knit relationship between Windsor and Detroit. Uh, Detroiters and Americans do not view Canadians as a foreign country. It's very much viewed as a sister nation. Okay. Well, Phoebe, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you so much. Here's what else is happening this week. 
A jury has acquitted a Hamilton man of murder in the shooting death of an unarmed indigenous man. Peter Cahill, a former Army reservist, had maintained that he thought John Stiers was armed with a gun, and so he shot him in self-defense after Stiers had broken into his truck. And a report to BC's Attorney General is calling for sweeping reforms to stop rampant money laundering at that province's casinos. Called Dirty Money, the report suggests a government that turned a blind eye to organized crime groups using gaming establishments to launder cash. 10-3 is produced by Carson Jarama and Carrie Ann Sprawl. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.